You've got to admit this is a real arrogant hat I'm wearing here. You've got to admit that this is a real arrogant... Hey, you guys in there. Hey, hey. You've got to admit this is a real arrogant cap I'm wearing tonight. Oh, the cap does something for you, I'll tell you. Hello, 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 test. Oh, uh, by way of a disclaimer, and uh, certainly by way of warning, uh, tonight's show is liable to be somewhat revolting. So, uh, I just thought I'd warn you, probably gonna... There's a reason for it, of course. I'm one of the bad guys. Good morning. How are you, gang? Good morning. Listen, it's morning when I begin. My world begins, it is morning. Morning is a relative term. And by the way, how are your relatives? Is rotten as usual? Has it occurred to you that you are somebody else's relative? And he says, oh, you know how the relatives are. He's talking about you. I'm a rotten person. Of course, you know, don't, don't put the rotten guys down. Don't put the bad guys down. Because where would the good guys be if there weren't bad guys for them to be indignant about? No, this is important. This is a very important philosophical point. You know, you've always heard that old philosophical canard, you know, the old one about the if a tree falls in the forest where there's nobody to hear it, does it actually make a sound? Well, that's a good, you know, a good philosophical point. And uh, is a good guy a good guy if there are no bad guys around with which to compare him to? Is there such a thing as a good guy, one man living on an ice floe in Greenland somewhere in the Arctic Ocean? Is he a good guy? Without, you know, a concomitant bad guy? As a matter of fact, I don't know. Where would, uh, where would Abel have been without Cain? No place. In fact, it started right in the very beginning. So tonight, what do you say? We, uh, Tony, will you please, let's have a little good guy music. Let's salute the group. All right, let's salute. This very serious radio station now takes this opportunity as part of its vast, all-encompassing public service programming. It takes this opportunity to salute a group of people who are rarely saluted by any of the various mass media involved. Tonight, we take this opportunity... Bring it up, Tony, a little bit. Yes, we take this opportunity to salute good guys, wherever they might be, everywhere. And even more important than that, we want to salute that great, vast, usually unheralded minority, the bad guys. Where would Gary Cooper have been if he'd walked down that lonesome street in that little dusty town in the southwest without some guy in a black suit coming out of the silver dollar? Oh, we are the bad guys. We are rotten. We are crummy. All together. that thing pretty good tonight. We are... Oh, well, now, uh, I just... I don't want to upset you here, but uh, 
It's getting close to Christmas, and that means there's a lot of commercials on the radio. And uh, we've got a few of them out of the way right now, very quickly. Let's see. We've got a little thing here. For those of you that find time hanging heavily on your hands. And uh, let's see. It's about these games, the Ideal Mystery Series games. And these games include Sherlock Holmes, and that game is called Murder on the Orient Express. Fu Manchu, the hidden horde of the insidious doctor. And Ellery Queen, the case of the elusive assassin. And uh, let's see... uh, one thing about them, they're designed expressly for adults. I'm reading this. These are not kid games. They have taken several years to develop, and they are based exclusively on logic, which, as you know, all adults are well endowed with, certainly. There is no luck involved in the play of these games. These games can be played by two or more people, and some of the most fun games are played by two people, as you know. And so uh, we'd, uh, you can... Tony... What an awful thing to say. I'm talking about Parcheesi. I'm talking about Whist. I don't know what you're talking about, and I prefer not to know. Uh, we would like to say you can get these wonderful, fun games, the ideal games. <laughs> well, some games you're just going to have to scratch and look for yourself, but these you can get at Corvette. Sherlock Holmes. Fu Manchu. Ellery Queen. That's a nice little commercial. That was well done. Speaking of nice little commercials, how about getting a snootful? Hit that little button. Bring it on big, Dad. Bring it on big. Now, friends, Miller High Life is even more convenient. Let her sing it out. Sparkling. Yes, friends, now Miller High Life beer is even more convenient to pour and enjoy. If you're really, oh, you know, all uptight and you've got to get that can open real quick if it's an emergency, you can now have the new twist or lift bottle cap. You twist it off, lift it with a bottle, or it just opens up by itself. And that wonderful Miller High Life just pours out there, and Charlie will be able to... It's the same hearty, distinctive flavor, famous all over the world. The same sparkling quality that makes more people ask for the champagne and bottled beer. So, friends, if you're really uptight, you've got to get that bottle open real quick or it's trouble. Miller High Life, they got the new twist, the new lift bottle. Sparkling. Oh, what a winner living. That's uh, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. All right. Oh, yeah, speaking of good guys and bad guys, I just I hate to say this to you tonight. But uh, there's a lady who wrote to me a letter here, and she said, Shepard, this is terrible the way you've been maligning the beautiful, pure, unsullied animal world. She says, animals do not know sin. Animals are beautiful creatures. And one lady wrote to me, I am merely quoting. This is not necessarily the philosophy of the management, nor of your correspondent. Ellery Queen. And uh, he said, uh, as a matter of fact, this lady wrote to me and says, I want to tell you one thing. She says, I have a cat, and my cat never lies to me. My cat never is disloyal to me. My cat is so beautiful. Well, all right, honey, I'm not going to argue that. But, you know, that those criteria will apply to a lot of things, Tony. I have never yet had an end table lie to me. Nor have I had an end table ever run away. So I guess they can call them loyal, you know. And, uh, on the other hand, I've seen some fairly beautiful end tables, too. 
How sparkling flavor food, delicious food. I don't know logic. Of course, the people all, we know that the, the adults are well endowed with logic. I, I love to, whenever I think of the adult world, I think of these 42nd Street marquees, where it says, at last, the new smash Bulgarian adult orgy picture with sound, at last, uncut version. Now, Navshtnalaba. Translated, wowee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, adult pictures. Oh, uh, we've we got to move on here. We've got one more little ding-dong here for you. And uh, here's a fantastic... Can you imagine what would happen if, if uh, you know, you're, you're walking around out there and you're thinking, probably uh, already you're beginning to scratch, wondering what to give the old man for Christmas, you know. He's got everything. You know, he's got a couple of Mustangs and he's got a Camaro, you know, and he's got four girlfriends and the whole scene. What are you going to give him for Christmas, you know? Here's a suggestion, kid. Oh. Yes, yes, kid. This is the sound of a magnificent Baldwin organ. And just imagine how Daddy's eyes will light up on Christmas morning when you press a button and out of the floor comes this magnificent, this mag fantastic Baldwin theater organ with his name spelled out in sequins on the side. And just a few days later, he'll be playing with both hands, just like a grown-up. This is the Baldwin organ. And they'll have you playing Christmas carols in December if you begin right now. Choose from a wide selection of new, artist-used and previously-owned home organs, including spinet, console, and theater-style organs at substantial savings. Yes, it's Organ Melodies sent to you by this station every morning at the same time in cooperation with the Happy Smile Funeral Home at Oh, for more information, stop in or write Baldwin, 922 7th Avenue, corner of 58th Street. Or you can call them at Circle 567 Oh, oh. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. It's Circle 567 Oh, oh. Would you please hit that button and get a little more of that? I, I like that sound. Just bring it in there. I can just see Daddy. And I can hear it coming from upstairs. Will you shut that thing off? The old nut is sitting there. He's got it on. Vox Humana. Vox Tremula. <laughs> you can tell I... Oh, yes. Uh, this lady about the animals now. I'm not... I didn't bring that up just for Funsville. And uh, the reason I brought it up, kids, is that this lady, you know, has this idea, but I, I don't know whether to bring this up now at this time or not. You know, I like to keep the... Uh, you know, the really juicy stuff till after 10.30 when the women and children are peeled off and the only crowd that's left are us, uh, you know, the really hardened Cracker Jack eaters. I think I can risk it. Uh, uh, before we do that, is it time for the little whoopee there? All right, friends. It's no use you blaming any other station for this stuff. This is WOR, we admit it. WOR, New York. Fun, Funville. You know, I heard about a, a terrible scene. I heard about a guy that, that every year goes down there to that lighting of the Christmas tree down at the Rockefeller Santa, and the, he goes down there every year, and when the lights go on and everybody cheers, he boos. I mean, it's just terrible, you know? We people are acting these days. You just can't trust people. Of course, they're not the only ones that are doing this. Uh, maybe you are not aware that uh, it's beginning to happen all over the world and in every possible department. And before we go any further with that, friends, uh, uh, in answer to a couple of calls we've had, 
there will be no limelight show this Saturday night. That is live at the limelight. I will not be there this Saturday night. So if you plan to come down there, forget it. Oh, you can go to the limelight. I won't be there. That's all. But uh, I will not be there this Saturday night. However, next Saturday I will be there as live and as big and fat as a speckled bird. And uh, that's one week from this Saturday I'll be live again. However, there will be a limelight show broadcast on the air from 10.30 to midnight. We've picked one of our more revolting tapes from our vast supply of revolting tapes that we've made from the limelight show, which we keep for a variety of reasons. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we'd certainly love to have you drop in and play. And, and, and uh, you see, one good thing about playing an old tape that you've heard before, you know, if you haven't heard it, is you can sing along with Shep, you know. And so, so I'll be, uh, <laughs> we'll be on tape there, and it's going to work out. It'll, it'll work really well. But we will be live, though, however, Monday, December 4th. I want to report this now. Very important here. Monday, December 4th, in answer to an overwhelming number of people who have requested this. And, in fact, we've talked personally to all three of them. Uh, in answer to an overwhelming request, we are now playing a big live show at the University of Pennsylvania. Monday, December 4th at 8 p.m. in Irvine Auditorium, the University of Pennsylvania. And uh, it's uh, on behalf of the uh, cinema, Penn Cinema. That's a... Well, they make dirty movies. It's a, you know, that, well, you know what the whole new movie shtick is about. All movies are about sex in one form or another. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's very artistic, though. You know, they shoot them from, you know, the, through glass coffee tables and through ferns and all. It's very exciting. But it's going to be on behalf of Penn Cinema. And, uh, again, where it's going to be the Irvine Auditorium, 8 p.m., Monday, December 4th, University of Pennsylvania. And you can contact Penn Cinema for tickets. And you can get that through the information at Philadelphia. You know, they're in the phone book. Penn Cinema. It's at the university there. And uh, if not, let's see, you can call... Um, do I have a number here? I guess not. No telephone here. Well, you can get it out of information. Right? Uh, that's Penn Cinema, Irvine Auditorium, University of Pennsylvania, December 4th, 8 p.m. Celebrate the 20th anniversary of Israel at the Hanukkah Festival for Israel at Madison Square Garden, December 4, December 18, or January 1st. You can get free tickets by buying Israel bonds. For a prospectus and Israel bonds, call Oregon 79650. Oregon 79650. And uh, that's enough of all that now. I'm through with all that, okay? Now, I, I, I don't know whether we should bring this up. Um... Well, I don't know. I might as well. Okay, would you please, Tony, would you give me a little, uh, the, uh, I think a little of the bucolic music. Just a little sneak it in there. That's it. This is very important stuff. We're going to salute the animal world tonight for, you know, in all of its pristine purity. You know, 
all of its beauty and all of its unsullied, you know. I mean, they're not capable of sin. They're capable of a lot of other things. Don't get near some of them. Oh, yeah. Listen, I know one dachshund that... Oh, that's another story. Of course, you know, <laughs> I know certain animals you got to wear overshoes around or else. But that's not a sin. That's just, you know. But uh, there is a terrible thing that I'd like to report to you for those of you who think that the animals are, you know, are uh, like the driven snow. We have a report out of Baltimore from the Evening Sun. And this is uh, the old newspaper that... Uh, that uh, Mencken used to write for him. That's good newspapers, so they don't lie. These, these guys don't fool around. And there's a headline that says, Druid Hills. And Druid Hills, by the way, is a, is a place outside of Baltimore. And it's a beautiful place. It's bucolic as all get out. Didn't know I knew about Baltimore, did you? Druid Hills water birds mixed up in their mating. Uh-huh. Dee-dee-dee-dee. A foul-up over mismatings among ducks, geese, and swans in the waterfowl lake of Druid Hill Park today is ruffling the directors of the Baltimore Zoo. For example, right at this very minute, a male mallard is chasing a pintail. A European barnacle goose has teamed up, had that we use this term in its loosest fashion, uh, has teamed up with a British mute swan while a pair of emperor geese from Siberia has changed partners with a pair of cackling geese from California. They're the worst kind. Sounds like a lot of chicks that you guys have married. Mr. Watson, who was the director, concerned over hybrid ducks, said the mystery could be caused by the war. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's going to blame that on Johnson. Bring it up. <laughs> Or the space age. And we're quoting the doctor here. He's the head of this zoo. A female Pekin duck has become enamored over a South African sheldrake. Mm. A female American widgeon has been making eyes at a Shiloh widgeon. A Bahama pintail has taken on a Chilean pintail. And a blue goose has been mating with a snow goose. He said, and that's bad news. Quote, their romance is all mixed up, and it's all a mystery why our ducks are not mating in the normal way, he said. The zoo's three-and-a-half-acre lake is a home for more than 300 water birds. The lake contains three tiny islands where ducks, geese, and swan breed. Valuable birds in the lake have had a wing clipped to keep them restricted to the area. Other birds, the less valuable birds, are free to come and go. And some are wild, and they're the ones that are causing the trouble. Well, there's wild things everywhere. And every guy has a secret desire to meet one. Mr. Wilson explained that pintail and mallard ducks are, quote, clannish and usually stay with their own kind. But today, even these ducks are, quote, breaking up. Divorce is rampant among the ducks. We're usually mate for life. A wild Hutchins goose flew into the lake the other day, according to Mr. Watson, and is now busily trying to break up a pair of purchased giant Canadian geese. And he's doing pretty good. Oh, boy. Quote, if unions prove fruitful, isn't that kind of a nice way of putting it? <laughs> if unions prove fruitful, what do you do with the offspring? 
question, Mr. Watson, fearful that like GI marriages overseas, quote, complications could arise over social adjustment. A Maryland game and inland fish department waterfowl biologist said that such breedings rarely occur. Quote, we have found, said Vernon Stotts. Now, there can't be anybody named Vernon Stotts. Not putting us on, gang. We'll have to go along with it. We have found, said Vernon Stotts, that 1 to 10% of the black duck and mallards are hybrids and that a Canadian goose has crossed with a barnyard goose. It has been known for a goose and a swan to keep company, and that is really bad news. The hormones of these birds get all fouled up in a penned-up situation. Maybe this explains a lot to you, gang. Well, one of the... one of the, That's very good there. You did very nice on that, Tony. One of the most sickening sights I've ever seen in my life is, is Ed Fitzgerald sitting in his apartment over there on Central Park South. He's got a pair of 17,000-power binoculars. I never saw such a pair of binoculars. they got batteries in them, you know, and they zoom in and zoom out. And he sits there all the time and looks out through his picture window and watches the ducks and the geese down there at Central Park. And Ed is constantly scandalized. Well, let me tell you, though, I'm, I've, uh, you know, I, I don't like any of you to get the wrong idea. I'm not a pro-swan man, nor a pro-goose man in any sense of the word. In fact, one of the worst experiences I ever had as a kid and, uh, and I'm, I'm just bringing this in to illustrate. Because you see, these days, I, I stay clear of geese and, and swans. But in those days, when I was a kid, you know, I didn't know. I hung around with Schwartz and Broner and the whole crowd. And you don't really differentiate. Uh, that's the, and that's the great part of being a little tiny person, is you're dumb. Uh, you, don't, <laughs> you know, you just don't know what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, oh, sure, I know one kid that tried to date a fern for over two years. And... Uh, but that's another problem. Those little hang-ups happen once in a while. Well, that's nothing right here. Have you been on Greenwich Avenue lately? I mean, for crying out loud, don't don't give me that. It's the high and mighty stuff. I don't want to hear that talk. However, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a kid, and, and uh, we had this alley. Now, for those of you who don't know what an alley is, an alley is kind of a... Well, it's, uh, it's hard to describe what an alley is it's, if you don't know what an alley is, but if you can imagine a little road that runs back your house and has telephone wires crisscrossing it and has garbage cans about every 10 feet and, and the guys once in a while drive their cars in and out of it and, and the, they get garage backs. It's a great place. The alley is far more exciting than the front street because of the garbage cans. You find all kinds of stuff. And uh, we used to come home from school via the alley constantly. Well, there was a lady about, uh, oh, maybe nine or ten doors down from our house, and uh, she had a backyard that was all fenced in. And, well, she should have, uh, because in this backyard was a goose. And I'm talking about a goose, Dad. I'm talking about the big babies, you know, the kind of the, the kind that looks like, uh, kind of like a snake, you know, the, the neck going. And uh, this goose, goose I, I must admit, I was not blameless. I mean, I, I'm not one of these guys who, who likes to pretend, like a lot of people, that he is beautiful and pure and that it's only the world that's rotten. Oh, you find people like that all over. Have you noticed how many guys are writing memoirs about the, their time with Kennedy? And it's all those different guys. And have you noticed, have you ever read any of them? I've read about five of them, and I notice one thing about them all, that the guy that's writing the book is always a good guy. 
And he's having trouble with all the dumb guys and the bad guys in government all the time. I've noticed that. <laughs> What's great is if you read two or three of these books and you discover that one guy thinks that the other guy who wrote the other book was one of the dumb guys. And it just goes on and on. Uh, but I'm not one of those people. I, am. I guess it's, it comes from basically uh, a background, lived too close to a swamp, and the fact that I had athlete's foot when I was four. I do not consider myself one of the pure. I really don't. I'm, I must concede. And uh, I know that I'd never make it in Joan Baez's circle. Not at all. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I just have to, not to say that I'm pro-war. I think I'm just not pure. Not at all. In fact, I'm one of those people you might call adulterated. I'm very much adulterated with all kinds of sin and other things. And I wish I could say I wasn't, but it's not true. Not true. And uh, I must admit that I was somehow responsible. What, what I used to do is every day I would come home from school and Schwartz would peel off and go to his house, and Bruno would peel off, go to his house, and I'd be coming down the alley by myself. And I could hardly wait to get to this place where this goose was because I would always take a stick and I would run along the fence and I'd have the stick, see, and I'd go, ah, down this fence, you know, and the goose would go absolutely living stock, purple eyed ape. This goose would go out of its skull and it would run along the fence and go, ah, ah, ah. you know how they go, you know, quack, 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 shh, shh, and wings would go like that, you know. And I, I, then, then I would get to the end of the fence, see, and the goose would stick his neck out, you know, look like a, a nut, and his, his beak would go, ah, 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 and his tongue would stick out. He's trying to get at me. And I would, I would look at him for a second, and then I would turn real quick like that. I would turn around, and I would run the other way. And that goose would run back and run into the garage, you know, at the other end. And he'd go screaming, yelling around. And, and about the time I was halfway through the second trip, the back door would open, and this old lady would start yelling, out, leave my goose alone! You know, that kind of scene. It's always a lone lady who likes to kill the fun. Because, you know, I, I, now looking back on it, I think the goose looked forward to it as much as I did. You know, the goose uh, enjoyed combat because they're very combative creatures, geese and swans. Yeah, they like to fight. And uh, I gave them a little run every day. And so then I would run back the other way, and out I would go. Well, one day, I'm, you know, I'm, this goes on for maybe two or three, four, maybe five months, all through, all through the uh, fall and all through a good part of the winter, and the ice, and this goose would wait then. I could I noticed that, that he would wait. I would come down the alley, and I would see his neck sticking out between the, you know, between the, the cracks in the fence. He'd look down there, and had these big red eyes, see, and he'd look, and he'd wait for me. And, and he would take a nip at my knee, you see, and just when I'm starting to get on my first run, <laughs> he'd take a nip at my knee. It was great. Once in a while, he would get his neck caught in the fence, you know, ah, 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 and he'd try, you know, trying to pull his, you know, back out again. And I'd run up and down this thing. Well, it worked out pretty good. We, we had a lot of fun. Except one day, I'll never forget the day that it happened. I'm, you know, I'm running along this fence with a stick, and, a bah, and it's going like mad. And that goose is running along on the other side of the fence. His mouth is hanging open. His eyeballs are flashing. You know, ah, he's, oh, boy, was he mad. And it was a cold day. I'll tell you something about geese. If you don't know about geese, when the weather gets cold, they really get on the stick. Uh, there's something about cold weather that makes a goose his glands work or something. They're really cold-weather creatures, you know. In the summertime, they sort of sit around and pant. But, boy, you give a goose a good, brisk, cold day with a lot of ice, and you just better watch out. He is on the, he is on the muscle. 
And so he's running along on the other side of the fence. I'm running along on the other side of the fence. We're running along there, both of us, you know. And the ladies, I could hear the door slam open. She's yelling out the door, and I'm running along with a stick, and everything's going great. My knickers, it was one of those cold days, Tony. It was so cold that my knickers were stiff. You ever have those days? And and don't think I'm just saying this uh, for, uh, you know, just to, to add color, because it later played an important part in what transpired, these stiff knickers. And uh, I'm running along, the knickers are stiff, and I'm wearing, I'm wearing a sheepskin coat. Now, you know the kind of coat, the sheepskin coat that's made out of uh, leatherette, and it's got this uh, imitation uh, wool collar, like a sheepskin collar on it, see? And, of course, you know what happens on a good cold day with those leatherette coats, stiff as a board. I mean, my arms are creaking and flapping, and I'm running along there with my overshoes on, which was bad enough anyway, because I always wore overshoes on the terrible duress. Uh, my mother literally had to had to slug me into insensibility to put them on, you know, make me wear them. I would not wear them. At the, ever since that time, I've always lost overshoes. I've never kept them. I, I have a thing about them. So I'm running along with the overshoes, clap, 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 and the stick is going, and my coat is creaking away, and my knickers are creaking, and the goose is going, his eyeballs. Well, we get to the end of the fence, and I can't believe my eyes. That nutty old doll has left the gate open. Well, I go running past that open gate, and I see with this... Instantly, I said, I'm sunk! And this goose, because, boy, he was moving, and the goose couldn't believe it either. You know, he got to the end, <laughs> and there I was, you know. And for one instant, we hung there, see. Because we'd been chasing each other for five months, and it was back and forth. And suddenly, it was open, wide smack open. And he stopped for a second. I stopped, and I took off down that alley. I'm going to tell you, if you've ever seen a bowling ball go down a bowling alley, I went down that I went down that alley like you know. And that goose took out after me, screaming and yelling. And by this time, see, he is all excited now because he's been dreaming of this, you know, for months. And now he's got me, and he is running along behind me. Now the thing about a goose, now I don't know whether you know anything about flying, but you see, the goose has terrific lift capabilities. I mean, he's got wings. So I am slogging along to the ice and the slush and the goo, and I have no lift at all. In fact, quite the opposite. I got about as much lift as a bulldozer, you know, and I'm flopping along through the alley, they're yelling and hollering, trying. And this old lady is hollering out the back. I can hear her disappearing in the distance, and that goose is. <laughs> and I hear the wind. The wings are going behind, and I am running like there's only one place I know to go home. I mean, get home fast. There's nothing but garage, you know, I'm running like mad. And that goose, he chased me down the eight doors down the street like like insane. We went like lightning. I went through our, We had no fence, by the way, in our backyard, which was almost fatal. Incidentally, I might point out that I, I, I uh, was terribly hampered by the stiff knickers. These knickers, you know, because I, I, I was not running like I usually ran. You know, oh, uh, oh, there's no goose that can beat me running. I mean, normally. But these stiff knickers, the stiff coat, and my knees were creaking. I'm running like mad on the dirt and the crud and the slush and the snow is flying. I am scared. I'm telling you, scared. He is so big. I don't know whether you've ever seen a full-size, really a full-size, what do they call a male goose, a gander, a buck goose? <laughs> this guy's about shoulder high when he's got his neck, you know, going full blast. He must weigh 45 pounds, and he's... He's one of these big brown ones, you know, the brown on the back with the white stripes around the neck and all that, and the big black head. He, had a pig, he wasn't a white type. He was sort of a, you know, looked like a wild one. And he was. He had red feet, I remember. And he's running along behind me. I go tearing up the back steps, you know, and, and it's all covered with ice. I slip down, and I go tearing up again. He goes, ah, 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 
He goes right up the back steps, and I come up against the back door, and I boom, you know, I bang him. Hey, hey, me in, ma, ma, ma. And I hear my mother, you know, running around, and I shouldn't know what's happening. She thinks maybe finally, finally, Farkas has finally got me, you know. Ma, ma, let me in, let me in. And she opens the door. I come flying in. I said, close the door. And bang, you hear, pow. The goose slams himself up against the back door. And I said, ma, ma, the goose is after me. Well, I'll tell you, that goose sat out there on the back porch waiting for me to come out. <laughs> Pacing around back out there, and my mother says, now what did you do? I said, the goose is after me. She says, what did you do to him? Nothing, nothing, nothing. I was just walking on his... I never said nothing. She said, look at him out there, and he was looking in the window. He was walking around back out there with a big old neck and that tongue going back and forth out there. And I went, oh. And I heard that lady coming over, and I heard her coming through the backyard, and all the while, it's that kind of lady, you know, you I'm a police police. You know, the kind that always calls the police. And, uh, you know, she was going to call the police. I was after her goose. I don't know how you can exactly say that to a desk sergeant. It sounded like I'm funny there. But uh, she was yelling and hollering, and she came up there. And the goose was absolutely, you know, when she got up there, he was totally, totally under control. He stopped for a minute, and he's sitting down there. They look so nice when they sit. He sat there, and the lady took him, picked him up in her arms, and, the, you know, she was a little weird. And that goose, let me tell you, she, you know, uh, her sympathy for the goose was totally misplaced. Because as far as I'm concerned, the goose is deserving of sympathy about as much as an anaconda is. And uh, the goose, you know, looking very innocent. And she says, you tell that boy of yours to stay away from my goose. And my mother is sitting in the kitchen there. She's flipping. And she, <laughs> she, this is, she turns to me and she says, you stay away from her goose. <laughs> I said, okay, Ma. <laughs> she says, gee, that, 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 she's really an old nut. I said, that's true, Ma. And then, it was that night, that night that I realized that the animal cuckoo has worlds beyond worlds, and he has a life and an existence of his own. And from that time on, there's only one way I like to see a goose. Absolutely. I like to see him over there at the old Blue Ribbon. You know, this, this uh, German restaurant here in town, I like to see him on the menu. Maybe with a little red cabbage on the side. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little snappy... Uh, Possibly a little snappy applesauce, maybe? And the bake to a turn. Would you please give me some of that bucolic? Give me a... I'll tell you. No, no, no. Give me that's that's the first one there. That's it. Very good. All right. Let's go, gang. We are the good guys. We are the beautiful ones. We are the nice ones. We are the true ones. We are the ones who are concerned. Oh, we are the good guys. Oh, we only think of beautiful thoughts. Oh, we are the true ones. We are the blue ones. We think always of... Oh, da, da, da. Bring it up. Oh, hooray for us. Oh, hooray, hooray for us. Oh, rah, rah, rah. Is this Mumba? Hooray, hooray for us. Some night, some night you're just going to push me hard enough.
and I'm going to tell you a story that will sicken your soul. Well, look, I'm probably the only guy you ever heard of. I'm the only guy I ever heard of, actually, who was attacked, I mean really attacked, by a peacock. You heard me tell that story. You never heard me tell that story? No, seriously, you never did? I know you did, Tony. Oh, that's a famous story. I really was. I, I guess the reason I don't tell that story is because I'm really scared. Sometimes you tell a story, and it's so scary that you can't tell it. I mean, oh, yeah, oh, I've got a lot of scary stories. Did I ever tell you about the time, really, about the time that I'm driving my car along? It's 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And I'm whistling along US-41 out in Indiana. Nothing but blackness on all sides. And, uh, I mean, all kinds of blackness. Not only was the sky black, but, you know, there's intellectual, philosophical blackness, everything out there. And I'm driving along under the great big old Big Dipper, screaming along there. And I got the car going flat out, seeing this old V8 that I had. Well, flat out made it go maybe 120. <laughs> and it was, a, oh, yeah, oh, this car, I had everything. I had four barrel carbs on it. I had Hollywood pipes straight through, you know, the whole thing. And uh, she was booming along there. And the car itself, the, the uh, I would say that the, the the total weight of this car was about, I would say, roughly uh, 600 pounds. Talk about an overpowered monster, this car. And she's booming along there. And I got, I got one brake. It's on the left rear wheel. <laughs> all the others have given up. And I'm booming along there. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget the sight, out of the darkness came this cow. And uh, just like that, this cow jumped out of the weeds, stood right there in front of me, and mooed. And I am booming towards this cow. I tried to swerve around her, and it suddenly occurred just like that. I swerved, and I'm up on the gravel, see, and the car is swooling all over the place. I'm going 87 miles an hour under the darkness with the, with the big old banjo moon hanging over me, when out of the darkness to my left came two other big old cows. I am bracketed by cows. Well, I swung three times around, and in the darkness is a cowboy. He's not really a cowboy. He's a big, fat old farmer sitting on a big, fat old bay horse, and he was kicking the cows along. I went between those cows. <laughs> I'll tell you. I went between those cows around that bay horse. I went backwards, sideways. I went up and down. I went into a side slip all at the same time. I regained the center of the road, and I drove along. It was like a bad dream was all over like that. It's now darkness all around me. And then I wondered to myself, was it really out there? Did I really see those crummy cows? All I remember is this great big head of a cow looking at me right in the windshield. Great big brown eyes, you know, her mouth hanging up. <laughs> I whipped around. Well, ever since that time, my relationship with the animal world has been less than good. Uh, I think they suspect something about me. I remember one time at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm over in this zoo. And... Uh, I've always thought about animals. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like Thurber. I think uh, most animals are moderately improbable. And uh, I'm in the zoo, in the Cincinnati Zoo, at 3 o'clock in the morning. And by the way, it was illegal. I had no right to be there at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm not going to tell you what I was doing there at 3 o'clock in the morning. It was an outdoor zoo, you know, like, uh, you know, with the gardens and all that. It was wintertime. There was another person with me. And, uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're out there looking at the seals and stuff. And I'm... I'm, uh, well, you know, nothing like a seal. It, it soothes the soul. And uh, I'm walking along there with this chick. Actually, it was a chick. I might as well admit to you. And uh, in the middle of this little pond, there was a, a, a kind of like a little island. And it was made of rock. 
And in the middle of the island, right smack in the middle, is a duck, a mallard. And he is standing up in the moonlight. And he's going, quack, 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 quack. You know how these ducks always do this silly noise? I don't know why they make that noise. And this duck was going, quack, 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 quack. And all around him, in the water, listening to him, it was like an audience. There must have been 50 other ducks. And they're all in a little crowd there, listening to this insane rabble-rousing duck. And this duck is up, and he's standing up on his on his hind legs. Do ducks have front feet? I don't know. He's standing up on his hind legs. He's flapping his wings. He's going quack, 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 quack. I do not know what rabble-rousing he was up to, what he was advocating. All I know is that it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and he was not expecting to get caught off base like that. Well, they saw us. They saw the two of us, and, of course, immediately they began to act like real ducks again, you know, swim around and mess around with the water and kick around, and you know how ducks do. And uh, ever since that time, I've been a little worried. I'm seriously a little worried. You know, the, the world is full of rabble-rousers of all kinds. And uh, I, I don't put it past anybody to do anything any longer. I'm nothing. What would, what would happen if, if we landed on, say, uh, Pluto? And Pluto was occupied by 7,000-pound geese. I mean, they were four stories high. And uh, <laughs> that brings an idea, you know. He sees this. Can you imagine the astronaut sees a 7,000-pound goose? And it's about four stories high. And then he sees this gigantic wall next to it. And it suddenly dawns on him that he's looking at somebody's trousers leg. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know how they always have in the... It, it, remember in, in uh, Flash Gordon and all that? There were always these races of tiny people that would come and invade the Earth. Could it... I mean, it's possible. Has it ever occurred to you that we might be a race of tiny people? I mean, we have tiny ones? At the... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I just... I, I just thought, you know, I'd throw it out there. Well, don't forget now. Just keep your knees loose and don't forget, kids. What a fantastic gift for the old man. One of these gigantic <laughs> Baldwin organs. One of the kinds has his name on the side of the sequence. His daddy. No, uh, oh, no. Uh, remember now. No, we got to get serious here, friends. If possible. No, no limelight show this Saturday, right? No limelight show. Um, there will be a limelight show a week from this Saturday. You better call for your reservations now, right? And uh, what else can I advise you to do? Well, I could advise... Well, uh, gee, something just occurred to me what I could advise you to do, but I better not say it. Radio has not yet grown up, and you might not take too kindly to it, although it might be good for it. All right, hold on there, gang. Here we go. Here we go. We're going again. Whoa.